You're listening to Amazingly Terrible Content Warning. So today uh, we watched Saturday Supercade, lucky episode number 13, which is actually going to be breaking down into four separate cartoons for us. You're listening to Amazingly Terrible, the podcast that assumes that you've watched at least one episode of every cartoon ever made in order for our jokes to make sense. I'm Adam. I'm Matt. I'm David. And I'm Mike. And this is a podcast. The concept for Amazingly Terrible is we're rewatching cartoons we used to really enjoy as kids and then commenting on them with our adult perspectives. However, wait, 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 it I'm, has devolved I'm, a great deal beyond that. <laughs> I'm sorry, when did it ever start off with the cartoons that well, okay. we enjoyed as kids? I was subjected to horrific abominations of cartoons from the very beginning. In fact, the only cartoons that I really enjoyed was uh, well, Heathcliff and DuckTales. <laughs> but, I mean, that's just no, me. no, it's, just it's a good point. this podcast. No, 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 that's, that's a good point. Because yeah, well, I, I think a, really list of possibilities and what we watch is completely random let's talk about chris pratt for a second oh okay. you want to talk about chris mr yeah pratt? that th- that's okay. what i'm leading cool. into is um we yes there's a few really bad game to movie you know movies out there um when we grew yeah, up just but, all of them uh, yeah, well, yeah, the 1993 super mario brothers was one of them i mean what the fuck is a goomba like, like we know what a Goomba is, but they didn't, apparently, the studio execs, but <laughs> turned it into some weird, small head-looking thing. But wait, 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 Saturday... Wait, wait, wait. wait. You're, you're, the, talking about, you're talking about cartoons or video games going into movies. Yes. And you, and, you point, and you point out Super Mario Brothers specifically, which was famously hijacked by the directors. They were attempting yes. to actually use the money the studios gave them to make Super Mario Brothers to make a uh, cyberpunk movie that was not related to Mario Brothers in any way. Exactly. But that movie crippled the video game to movie pipeline for decades. To, really? Like, yeah. I, you I, think I, that just set the tone and everybody's like, oh, this is what this is what's acceptable. The, the, I, I, I mean, uh it was so bad, and I still remember that Monday after watching it, going into school and defending it. Like everyone's <laughs> nice, like, "It's nice. so fucking awful," and I'm like, "No, we have to like this movie because they will never make another movie like this again. We have to, we have to. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers has to walk so Final Fantasy could run." Like I, I remember defending this that awful ass movie. Wow, and. My point is that on the uh, in the backdrop to that the movie and Hollywood and all that stuff were the Saturday morning cartoons that really it kind of did stay true to the roots of the video game. You had you know okay, Captain what Captain Powers. Cap- was Captain, Cap- Captain N, the game Captain, master? Captain N was a little wonky, but I mean, you had the Super Mario Brothers Super Show where the live action was kind of 
but the cartoon was there and the cartoon was cool but you had all these saturday morning cartoons that stayed at least truer to the the video games and that's what we remember we don't remember the big hollywood hijackings and stuff like that we remember the the cartoons and stuff like that that's eh, well your words not mine they were your words. <laughs> you literally said that like five minutes ago. That you that that Adam did. That, that the no, because uh, the... this this flies directly in the face of something that I've always said on this podcast from the beginning is that I avoided cartoons that were based off of video games because cartoons based off of video games sucked ass every time. Yeah, they kind of did. I liked Adventures of Link. I mean, I mean, a lot of cartoons. Like, the, I think the thing is with cartoons is that the, the ones based on video games, there were other cartoons that also sucked as bad as those as those video game cartoons. But we had a special yeah. attachment to the video games, so we were judging them at a higher level. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Clearly. I agree. Because, I mean, what do you how are you going to judge, you know, GoBots or Transformers? Like, oh, this doesn't move exactly like the the toy that i have at home like you have no basis on that but <laughs> what but there's also like a, the video games there was so much um intellectual property associated with some of those original video games that were just ignored by animators or by script writers because it was they were more complicated than what you could get across in a 30 minute cartoon a lot of times, they they hmm. you had to have like the in depth story behind the video game in order for it to make sense, or there was no story in the video game whatsoever, right? Like in the sense of Donkey Kong and or side scroller, yeah. That they had to just make stuff up to fit with the actions of what the character was doing, and video games and cartoons are two entirely different genre, so trying to like explain why a person playing the video game has to get armor to protect themselves from goblins is entirely different than what a writer would come up with for that. Well, and the clear fact that some of these directors and studio execs had never played a video game in their life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah those pieces of shit. They're such pieces of shit, those boomers. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Super Mario Brothers, what, 1993? 1993. Mortal Kombat was 1995, though. And you and know what a great movie that was. I was so disappointed <laughs> that nobody ripped someone's spine out because, I mean, fuck PG-13 movies, man. Jesus. You, you weren't upset uh, that, that Raiden, the, go- the god of thunder, was an immortal Frenchman? That, that did make me mad. So here's, here's, a, here's my question. Two-parter. Question one, what is the best of the movies that were derived from video games and then second what video game do you want them see to see them make into a movie i would like to see them make a zelda movie oh uh, yeah yeah that's i mean mm, that's sort of hard. impossible but yeah i'd like to see act razor okay <laughs> I, half the movie is them building a city eh. and then the other half is side side scrolling and hack and slash David, I think the best adaptation is probably Tomb Raider. Uh, that's not a bad hmm. answer. It's not so, where I went, but that's not a bad. Oh, answer. you have a better one? No, no. I mean, I didn't even think of it. I thought that um, Final Fantasy Spirits Within, like, it was an interesting plot, but I liked 
the flow and the you know it seemed like the least train wrecky of any game to movie final fantasy spirits within didn't really follow any final fantasy trope which made it the most final fantasy movie they can make yeah. <laughs> um, I'm and also here, here. going to strongly disagree with you, Mike. That movie was garbage. Well, I I I mentioned this recently, specifically about this movie. I talked to you guys about it recently. I have I went back and watched it a few months ago, and I actually yeah. thought it was pretty good compared to some of the shit that's coming out now. I thought it was actually pretty good. At the time, I remember being horribly disappointed by it. Yes. What's yours, Matt? Uh, I didn't have one. That's why I asked you guys. Now, as far as, um, as far as the best adaptations, though, that, that go, I was gonna I was gonna say Final Fantasy, uh, but the, <laughs> the the actual Final Fantasy Advent Children that was, which you is know, like a continuation of the plot of the movie. But yeah, I, I they also seem to be one. like a lot of things missing from it. So, what about Resident Evil? In terms of, like, at least... The movies? Yeah, like, at least in terms of staying true to the plot, that one at least still had zombies, still had, the, like, it still had yeah. the, the Z virus or whatever it was. It still had Umbrella Corp, Raccoon City, all the main characters. Uh, but I think it gets forgotten because it was a little bit, like, it was good enough that people don't shit on it and you know but it wasn't like winning any accolades yeah i mean it wasn't a good movie but it was a decent movie for a video game movie yeah. exactly like unironically though you know i think i think there was a good adaptation of a video game into movie but it's for like a really bad video game that not a lot of people played and it was like a b-rated movie postal hmm. i didn't see it or play the game, so it doesn't exist. And it's it's like I think it was like a first person shooter. It was it's it's horrible. Like it's actually like a, a like really gross. It says yeah, a lot yeah. of really gross things, basically. Uh, but it's yeah, um, I think about I somebody like it, it was yeah. actually called out on as being like the cause of teenage violence and like the reason why oh, really? kids are shooting up. Yeah, it was it was yeah. in the congressional hearing. Like I, I remember this because it I was like this is such bullshit. I don't know. I, I'm I'm actually now that I'm thinking about it. I think maybe um, the Jean Claude Van Damme Street Fighter might be the best adaptation. Hmm. Because uh, it really is just wow. like, just because like everybody on set was like drunk or high on cocaine and they didn't really give a <laughs> shit and they were just sort of fighting. Aren't those all the movies? Like ever, <laughs> they didn't even hire actors. Every they just every had... <laughs> every Christian Bale movie ever. They just have Van Damme like fight all the key grips. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I still think Jean Claude Van Johnson is one of the funniest series ever. It, it's, um, it is pretty good. It is pretty that good. I watched that year. I'm you know, funny, it. funniest series that year. When was that? 2019. God, it feels like in no, the no, four it, four. I think it was like 2016. It was no, relatively. You guys recent. were talking about it while we were doing the podcast. No, no, it had to have been during RPGs, like when we were was doing it? the. It, Maybe it, you're right. We were we were talking online, but I don't think it was the podcast. I think it was Dan was talking about it to us a lot. So that was back when Dan was still talking to us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Good point, Adam. Well pointed, Adam. Well pointed. Get, give yourself a treat. 
Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, 2016-2017. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, I'm still waiting for season two, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably not going to happen. I it's mean, not going to happen, Amazon's, yeah. they're not going to spend money on continuing old uh, series when they've already got people to join the service to watch the series to begin with, so... That's sad, man. That's why I'm waiting for like the third season of the live action tick that they put out again, which I thought was mm. pretty good. Mm. I don't see that coming back. No, I don't. I'm pretty sure it's not coming back at all. So, moving on to the next segment, let's jump right yeah. into the show. Okay, so let's get into the summary. Yeah, let's get into yeah, it. Let's get into the summary. So, did this did was this an hour long show like a, a super block? It's a supercade, not a super block. So, this was designed for an hour long programming slot. So, it was it made up okay. of four segments per episode? Nice. In uh, season one, those segments were Frogger, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Junior, and the fourth segment alternated from week to week between Cupert and Pitfall. Wow. Oh. Sorry, nice. we missed Pitfall. Yeah. Pitfall might have been more interesting. In the second season, they dropped Donkey Kong Jr., Frogger, and Pitfall. The new lineup was Donkey Kong, Cubert, Space Ace, and Kangaroo. A kangaroo? What is, was Kangaroo yeah, well, a game? Yeah. I have no idea what Kangaroo is, and I'm only 50% sure what Space Ace is. <laughs> well, none of us really questioned it. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. All these cartoons are supposed to be based on arcade games, and uh, yeah, except for those, except for Space Ace and Kangaroo, I did have all those shows from the first season on my Atari. Also, kind of weird that Nintendo went along with this license, but it must have been like super early days. Yeah. Well, and and I think this was be- well, this is before Nintendo had their own um, console, right? Yes. Because the first console that came out was the Nintendo Entertainment System. Yes. Famicom in in Japan, I believe. Yeah, Famicom is just a different branding name for the Nintendo. I'd like to give you more background on the series, but I didn't really read the Wikipedia article so much as write it. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering why I was so short when I went to go look at it. <laughs> So I was really just reading what you wrote. Nice. Perfect. Yeah, this is really uh, really poorly researched, and I had to sort of cobble together what information I could. That's still just to super give you impressive. The, just to no, give yeah, you the information go. I already gave you. Nice. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I mean, nice. how many times do people say that they wrote the Wikipedia article on something? I don't know if you guys played Thanks. a lot of video games when you were a kid. I know Matt didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Matt um, had a Sega Genesis. Did he? I did. Yeah, he uh-huh. did. I'm sure you weren't uh-huh. allowed to have Altered Beasts though, because that's like, you know. Really? I don't think I. I don't think I actually liked Altered Beast that much. Yeah, so I didn't it own it. Wasn't a very good game. No, it wasn't good. <laughs> I knew a lot of kids who weren't allowed to have it because you know there was like, you know, men turning into demons and shit like that. So ah, uh, no, that's my. I mean, that's your, that's your bread and butter right there. Yeah, that's my jerk off <laughs> material right there. So, Act Razor has been remastered on Steam, um, and just the they actually got the original composer to remaster and remake the uh, soundtrack. Just listening to the music in the trailer, it's like my eleven or 
12, maybe, maybe it was 1993, my 13-year-old self came back up and kicked me in the head and said, oh my God, remember this shit? Literally. And, uh, <laughs> you know, not figuratively. <laughs> so, yes, okay. Sure, that's believable. No, but it it really, like, in terms of video games, if you guys played video games, just check it out because it... Um, no, I've never, I don't, what's a video game? Act Racer? It's, uh, it was, I mentioned it before. It's the mm-hmm. City yeah. Builder and Side Scroller uh, Hack and Slash. I'm not plugging this or I, I haven't been paid to advertise this at all. Well, then you really fucked up yeah. <laughs> doing it on this segment. <laughs> no, you got, now you got to reach out to them get that money back. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> <sighs> of our See, impressive look- reach and massive audience. Act Razor. Brought to you by Carl's Jr. Act Razor is a 1990 platform and city building simulation game for the SNES. Developed by Quintet and published by Enix. Okay. What did we say about reading Wikipedia articles on this? <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed to it's do... Okay. It's okay if you wrote them. Yeah. It, you, could do, you, could do Wikia, you could do Wikia articles and Wikipedia articles if you wrote them. So speaking of Wikipedia articles, you were right. The Famicom did come out earlier. Looks like the Famicom came out in 1983. And then the NES came out in 1985. Thank you. You can put my blowjob in the mail. Okay. (laughs) You can mail those? (laughs) Yeah. Adam can. Man. He hasn't mailed you one? God. (laughs) What have I been doing with my life? Uh, It's a fat envelope when it comes. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, but but bone dry. <laughs> Self looking. This was made by Ruby Spears. Yep, and they really Ruby speared this up. They really did, <laughs> very much so. Yeah, at the very least, these episodes, like these episodes, just feel like classic Ruby Spears tropes. So, yeah. So let's let's get into it. Okay. So uh, what are we going to cover first? First is Hopalong Frogger. All right. I love it already. We do get a brief credit and intro sequence. Which kind of explains yeah. the overarching plot. Yeah, yeah e- yes. e- each of these cartoons has its own opening theme song yes. and sequence. And they, they feel very much like they were um, cobbled together from episodes. Mm. Or maybe even just from the first episode. Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah. But what we get from the intro to Frogger is that Frogger himself is a reporter, and he has a sidekick that's a turtle, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they hit on hard-hitting turtle-type things. And it seems to be a recurring bit that Frogger gets crushed and, and squished yes. flat, and then the turtle has to reinflate him. Oh, you're ruining the ending. <laughs> <laughs> you gave it away. We open on an Old West dude ranch at night. Everyone is sitting around a campfire. Yeah. So half the people are humans, and the other half are knee-high animals wearing clothes. Yes, and that is never addressed or talked about. (laughs) Well, this is the last episode, so... Oh, it is? Wow. Wow. Thirteenth episode is the final one of the first season, and they they did not bring Frogger back in the second season. Boy, talk about going out on a high note. They didn't. 
The owner of the ranch pulls out a guitar, strums it once, and then tells a ghost story. <laughs> nice. Yes. The story is about a is about the ghost of a holdup man that drives a horse-drawn carriage and hides out in a silver mine. His name is Bronco Bill, and he's a headless ghost, but there's a hat hovering where the top of his head would be. Is that clear in the song, or would you just see that later? Well, he's telling a story, but they do like... Oh, you're right. The animation cuts to showing the ghost, but... Are we supposed to understand that's supposed that, to be like, just a narrative? It, yeah, it, are we supposed to understand that like the critters are like having a mass hallucination and seeing this, or is this artistic license of some kind? Artistic license has given them a lot of credit. <laughs> I think they were like, "This bit's too long and boring. Put put some animation underneath it." <laughs> and they're not just going to animate a guy talking for while they give all this backstory. Uh, after a cut, possibly indicating a passage of time, the ghost shows up and drives his carriage through the camp. Right. I think it's true that we don't really understand how long they... Is this the next day? What... I mean... Yeah. The beginning part of this episode seems to really condense time. Uh, Frogger jumps into the driver's seat and tries to wrest control of the carriage away from Bronco Bill. But the ghost yanks the carriage to a sudden stop and Frogger's thrown clear while the ghost gets away. Again, what... Why does no one talk about the fact that they're animals? In fact, I think they well, well, do. Well, no, no. Yeah, they do. I think I think that the old lady in the beginning uh, is even, like, acting bigoted towards animals. Oh, how disgusting. I didn't know they let animals in at the Howdy Dude Ranch. But nobody responds to her. Like, nobody actually engages her in that conversation. Right, because you don't, you don't talk... I mean, you don't, like... Uh, talk to a bigot when they're being bigoted. Yeah, you just ignore them. Then... Yeah, you just ignore them coldly. Yeah. Why would animals be at a ranch? Um. Well, I could think of <laughs> like why horses and cows might be there. Yeah. I know why bunnies would be at our ranch. Hmm. Why? Oh, my Jesus. Uh. So. So <laughs> after another cut, possibly also indicating a passage of time. The ranch owner opens up a suitcase-sized lockbox yes. and reminds everyone that the ghost steals valuables. Yes. Everyone then drops their jewels and pearls into the box. And there's an awful lot of like gold coins and gems yeah. and shit like that that people are carrying on them. Yeah, these people are carrying these people are loaded and they're carrying tons of like portable wealth. It just doesn't really go with their cowboy outfits. Nope. Well, that's why they had to put it in the box. Yeah. Do you th- do you think that this is all from the humans, or do you think the animals put any of their stuff in? Oh, do you think? <laughs> I hadn't What's even that? considered that. Right, like we've yeah. got all these very rich, wealthy humans and these poor working class animals. Yeah, working class because you have like a uh, oppressed and, animals. Uh, well, you know, one of them's the mayor. One of them is the mayor. Yeah, the mole. Well, the of like the animal side of town, I'll bet. But the the other thing is also like it's not mentioned again, but we have some anthropomorphic animals, but then we also have horses that are not intelligent, they're not sapient, they're just horses, horses are very smart. I mean, they can't stand on their hind legs and speak English like these animals, but yeah, yeah. I I, I will give that to you. Horses are intelligent, but they're not. <laughs> they're not. They're not uh, sapient. Is really what it comes no. down to. So no, they are. They no. Then, for no reason, it's time to ride the mechanical pole. 
Yes. Yes. Yep. Which is installed outside and fenced into its own pet. Yep. <laughs> yes. Uh, just like all mechanical bulls, you treat it as if it is an actual bull. <laughs> and I feel like it might be important to, to point out that all of this is occurring during nighttime. This is all at night. Right. There's yes. No, there's no daytime to this, so they're either trying to say that all this is happening in one night, or... All of the animals are nocturnal, and the humans have actually changed their circadian rhythms to match the animals. So everybody's just awake during the nighttime and sleeping during the day. I mean, mm. I like this idea that maybe, like, the two cultures coexist kind of in the same space, um, and they only overlap during twilight when the animals wake up and start their day and the humans are going to sleep. I would suggest that maybe this means that the humans got, like, a discount tour that they're going, like, during the animal fight. Yeah, Jesus. Wow. Except that they're loaded down with all these Jesus. jewels and gold coins. <laughs> right. Well, imagine how rich everyone else is. <laughs> they're like, uh, when they're booking, they're like, oh, I'm sorry, you're booking very late. The uh, We do have several slots available, but they are, um, well, how should I put this? They're with a mixed group. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. I I do like this idea, though. Yeah, I I like it, too. Yeah. It Um, it would suggest that there's a high level of productivity on this planet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I was like, damn, their output. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I don't know. I mean, how competent are these animals, really? Well, they're competent enough. One's a journalist. One an is an, invest- an investigative journalist. True. So waiting, waiting for that episode that's uh, actually like the animal version of Spotlight. Oh no! <laughs> they find out the. Uh, they find out that the, all the humans have just been fucking the animals. The 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 uh, the the uh, frog pope has been diddling tadpoles. Oh my. The ghost rides in and snatches up the lockbox that was left outside on a tree stump. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Right where they, like, literally where they put everything in. While everyone else was running away, Fanny the Lady Frog climbs over the exit and lures a noose. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Frogger is f- thrown off the mechanical bull and caught in the noose trap, and the ghost gets away. Yes. Frogger really uh, takes it in the butt this whole episode. Well, there, he seems to be. There seems to be a lot of misadventures related to the to Frogger. Yes, he keeps screwing the pooch. He's he's a, a comedic hero, hero. Yeah, but he still manages to be competent enough to be able to actually like ride and maintain the bull, even when it goes off its tracks and starts jumping all over the place. Well, he's got sticky hands. There you yeah. go. Yeah, you know what they say uh, about yeah. these animals, <laughs> <laughs> these critters. Well, they never actually go into what species of frog Frogger is. Is he a tree frog, or is he like a poison poison dark frog? One of those uh, giant frogs that can like hibernate and like freeze to death in the Arctic and then like come back. Not the Arctic, oh, yeah. but in like northern Canada. The froze frogs. The froze frogs, yeah, exactly. Not like those woke frogs. What happens next, David? So everyone is despairing, so Frogger gives a speech to raise morale. Mm -hmm. They only have one horse left, so all of the small animals climb onto its back and go after Broncoville. 
Yes. And there's like a, a stork and a mole and several different turtles. Uh, there's a whole a menagerie. Of frogs, yeah. They arrive at the silver mine and split up into two teams to search for clues. Always a good idea. The first team searches a shack outside the mine. Mayor Mulberry Mole spills glowing paint on himself, and the bumbling turtle immediately thinks that the mayor is now a ghost. Yep. The frogs see this luminous paint for the clue that it is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Duh. And and more importantly, is they actually they discover the void in the paint. So yes, they as, discover as that it, someone's been painting something. And and as as something, something as big as a carriage, a lot <laughs> like jazz, we know that art a lot of times is about the the parts you don't paint. Yeah, man. Like That's... jazz is about the notes you don't play. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it's... say it again, Jack. It's, it's like this podcast. It's about the jokes that we don't make. Exactly. Right, yeah. 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 I'm not making a whole bunch of jokes right now. Am I funny? We noticed. Yeah. Well, you're you're busy watching the episode, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's actually Mike when you're when you're doing that. All the jokes you've previously made they get funnier. Exactly. Yeah. So. The leg day jokes and the Wordsworth. I, I'm like a good French cheese. You stink? I always said that. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Dig deeper. Like feet? You stink like feet. Dig deeper. Um, maybe slightly overpriced and not legal in the States. I'm unpasteurized, baby. Mm. Mm. I don't even know what that means. Is that a pun? It means I don't live in a pasture. Heathens. Ah. Uh, okay, so this is a, another anti-animal thing. The, the unpasteurized <laughs> people are a lot like the anti-vax people. Yeah, they they it's both true. like ketamine. It's true. They both they do both horse like drugs. Horse paste. Yeah, they love exactly. the, those horse drugs. Okay. What does the other group find in the silver mine, David? The second team is trudging through the caves. Bronco Bill opens a trap door under them, and they fall into a pit. And it seems like, just based on the proximity, they would just see Bronco Bill, but they don't seem to react at all. Yeah. Especially since Bronco Bill is still wearing the luminescent paint, so he should yeah. be very visible inside the dark cave. The first team enters the cave and narrowly avoids the same trap door. The ghost comes charging down the narrow cave in his carriage and squashes Frogger flat. Why does this sound like we're playing an RPG and you're like the GM? Because it's just classic good writing, you know? Yeah. I'm reading these words off of a pre-written document. <laughs> I feel like you should be adding... Including like, including this sentence, which I wrote, because I knew you would ask about it at this point. <laughs> I feel like you should be doing the voices, too, true to, like, Different the voices. voice. Yeah. And, and asking us, like, so what do you do next? <laughs> what, are, what are your actions? Did, uh, Mike, if you had to roleplay one of these characters, who would you want to play? Um, Ooh, that's a good bet. I like that a lot. Yeah. Okay, at 2 minutes and 30 seconds, the guy <laughs> in the background. Okay. <laughs> one of the humans that's never seen again. Yeah, never seen or heard from again. Because yeah. nice. he just showed up for character creation, and then he didn't come to any of the other yeah. gameplay sessions. Yeah. And uh, I believe there is like a chipmunk or something. I would probably play that. <laughs> See, I would go the mayor. I would actually play the yeah. moral mayor because he has like special abilities that sets him apart, but he's also a yeah. bumbling idiot. 
Yeah, so, he would be uh, fun to play. I think if I was going to really mix it up, I'd do the stork, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd, I'd like to play the frog that seems to be like Frogger's extra life. <laughs> <laughs> the backup frog. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, at any rate, they <laughs> yeah. uh, they save Frogger by pumping it up, pumping it up with a uh, bicycle uh, tire tube, bicycle pump, like Dig yeah. Dug. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Frogger goes to Bill's safe house by somehow knowing where it is. Bill is checking his loot, and Frogger leaps out to challenge him. Bill, who is four times taller than Frogger, nails him to the wall with horseshoes. Yes. Yep. With Frogger immobilized, he dumps the jewels in a saddlebag and rides away. And I don't understand why. Why didn't he just take the lockbox with him? Like, this this whole scene of him, like, taking the lockbox into the house, opening yeah. it up, pouring the lockbox into the saddlebag, and taking it off is all kind of superfluous to his ultimate bad guy plot. He should have just left. Well, I mean, like, weight matters when you're on a horse, right? So you want to decrease as the weight as much as you can for your getaway. So you think that lockbox was like significantly heavy? It was like an old timey iron lockbox. Well, they didn't they didn't move it after they filled it, so it, it, maybe it's too heavy, and they thought no one could possibly lift it. But didn't he just like snatch it up with one hand as he rode past? Well, he's a ghost, though. Frogger forms a lasso with his tongue and ropes Bill off of his horse. Yes. As Bill is riding away, so it has yeah. to cover like a significant distance. Yeah, get to... you get the feeling that he's like. Hundreds of yards from the house. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, the entirety of Frogger's insides is just tongue, basically. Yeah. Yeah. The horse does a double take, realizes there's no one riding it, and walks back to where everyone has gathered. <laughs> right. Yep. See, horses are smart. Yep. The ghost turns out to be Duke, the head rancher. Of course. And Frogger has intimated that he's known this all along. Well, the audience certainly has. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Well, whereas, you know, it's because Frogger, Frogger clued us in. And, and someone says, and I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for you pesky kids. Uh, well, he yes. should have. He really should have. So, but, I mean, because um, the ghost is always the janitor. Well, Duke wasn't the janitor. Duke actually owned the, uh, the homestead. Anyways, Shelley compliments Frogger on his amazing tongue. Yeah, she yes. does. Oh, yeah. No, he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> um, That's what he said. I thought Shelly was oh, the yeah. girl frog. Oh, no. Shelly's the, Shelly's the, the turtle. turtle. Oh, that makes more sense. We have seen on several occasions throughout this uh, episode, though, that uh, folks jump into Shelly's shell with him. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I think he, he might be a little bit of a... Uh, Freak? A pansexual turtle. Well, he does, you know, he's getting reamed out by that enormous long frog tongue. Yep. That was the, the amazing reason why Shelly is Frogger's friend. Tongue lasso. <laughs> he's, he's, yes. <laughs> I, I, I think I was able to best say that line, so I wanted to let me let me do it again. Uh-huh. It's amazing, especially that tongue lasso. <laughs> Jesus. Is this the point in the episode? Wrap this episode up so I can get okay. to my summary, David. <laughs> the extra frog gets jealous and tries to show off by tongue lassoing the mechanical bull. The bull starts up, breaks free, and runs away with him. Everyone else laughs. 
Is this idiots out laughing at nothing, or is this? Do they have a legitimate reason to be laughing? I think it's idiots laughing at nothing. I feel like I, I feel right. like they're, they're just sort of like laughing. Really, they need to be showing concern for the fact that their friend is being drug away by his tongue. So. Right. Well, and also like they're not laughing at what happened; they're laughing at Frogger's wisecrack about what happened. Yeah, they like they're laughing at like the end of the day. So <laughs> laughing. It's at like the oh, end of the day. it's the end of the day. Time for us to laugh. <laughs> laughing, yeah, laughing at the end of the day sounds like the sequel to Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> uh, Mike, you need to write that one down. Um, that's that's like a good, at least a thirty thousand dollar idea, Mike. Yeah, Mike, are you there, Mike? Yeah, I'm here. What? Okay, what, what's, what's the good idea though? Write it down. <laughs> what? Laughing at the end of the day. Laughing at the end of the day. Yeah, just Mike, just laughing at the end of the laughing, day. like before we all go to bed and just rustle ourselves yeah, down into to do our to... saddles. What you need to do is write that in cursive in white paint on a piece of wood. And then mm-hmm. hang it above my door. There you go. Well, let's move along. Can we take a step back first and, sure. and mm-hmm. truly appreciate how little this actually had to do with Frogger? At all, Whoa. like well, the, the, the initial the concept like... was, frog crosses the road. Frog tries mm-hmm. not to get squished. Frog also crosses a river, and mm-hmm. now somehow frog is fighting crime and taking over for Scooby Doo and the gang. Yeah, the reporter thing is definitely something they created for the cartoon. Other than him getting run over and squished by the. Uh, the stagecoach. I, I think yeah. that's the only thing that stayed true to the video game. But this goes into the whole point that I was making at the beginning to, to counteract your point about the nostalgia related to video games and cartoons is the mm-hmm. fact that they didn't really have much to work with with the Frogger game, so they yeah, just made a bunch of shit up to yeah, add right. to the cartoon. It's hard to make a show over I crossed a road and then a river. next segment is Donkey Kong. Get along, little ape So we open on a large ape trudging wearily down a desert highway. Following behind him is a circus van driven by Mario and Pauline. Pauline says, We can't go on much longer in this heat, Mario. Neither can Furface. I'll catch him if it's the last thing I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mario seems real mad. Yeah, this is like showing Mario's Ahab-like obsession with the beast. Yeah, he's willing to kill himself with exposure to get Donkey Kong. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Nothing stops Mario. The van overheats and stalls out. Mario gets out and kicks the vehicle hard, without the expected comical hurting of his foot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then he starts marching down the road. Donkey Kong looks over his shoulder and sees the humans coming after him. That's when he realizes that they're never going to stop. That this can only end one way when one of them is dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Donkey Kong lifts a boulder over his head and prepares to crush them. At, at, le- at least Mario. Yeah. Okay. Ma- Mario does a flying tackle and they're both knocked to the ground, too exhausted to stand back up. Yeah. Pauline calls for a truce until they can get repairs and supplies. They spot a sign that says... Rodeo, cash prizes. Mario speculates that Donkey Kong could easily win events, and they head into an old west town with all three of them wearing cowboy outfits. Yeah, that they seem to get from nowhere. Yeah. 
Well, Mario and, in particular looks very natural in a cowboy outfit. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's got yeah. that big Sam Elliott mustache in this one. Like a very yeah. fine mm-hmm. statue individual. And um, I think the important thing is the, the motivation for Donkey Kong was specifically just to get bananas. Yes, that's all he cares about. Well, and one other thing. At this point in time, that's all he cares about, yes. Mm. Yes. All right. So there are two grubby guys hanging out next to the sign-up sheet bragging about how they are going to win all the money because they're the meanest people around. Yeah. Yes, and that they are they are attempting to fix the uh, the rodeo. Yeah. They clock Donkey Kong immediately and go into knee-jerk bully mode, calling Donkey Kong a gorilla sissy. So DK grabs yep. the bananas out of his gun holsters and launches both of them into that guy's mouth. Yeah. He then makes a casual, casual backhand motion that sends both of them flying away with no effort. He doesn't even really connect. Yeah. And as soon as this happens, uh, Pauline kind of swoons over Donkey Kong at this point in time. Yeah, this is the first when we start to realize that Mario is a cuck. Yep. And Pauline loves that gorilla D. (laughs) And really what it is is uh, Mario's kind of unnecessary. Well, it's unclear in the research, but some places describe Pauline as being Mario's niece. Oh, okay. okay. That's different. Because it seemed like they were a couple. It and, did, yeah. Yeah, and Mario was um, like jealous sometimes of uh, the attention played to Pauline. But he, yeah, he doesn't seem real upset about the wanton flirting that she's doing with Donkey Kong. Yeah, yeah. But he, he, there does seem to be some rivalry between him and Donkey Kong for Pauline's affection, though, because in the next scene, they go into the casino. But the bad guys do notice that Donkey Kong is infatuated with Pauline. And they plan to kidnap her so that they can bribe Donkey Kong to stay out of the rodeo. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and this is done because they, they realize this because Donkey Kong starts dancing with Pauline when they're in the casino. And when they start the dancing together, that's when Mario comes up and says, I was going to ask her to dance and like marches over towards Donkey Kong as if he was going to stop them from dancing, gets caught up in a lasso trick and spins out and gets flung away. So that's that weird, like, Mario competing for his niece's affections. It is a little confusing. Yeah, I'd have to rewatch it and really, like, take in whether or not he's uh, a cuck or an incestor guy. <laughs> or both. Yeah, yeah. an incestor? <laughs> an incestorator. An incestorator. Yeah, an incestorator. A, a cuckold incestorator. Yeah, um, yeah, classic. Incestacuck. <laughs> um, yeah. So the bad guy, one of the bad guys, dresses up like a blonde-haired woman and mm-hmm. uh, cuts in to dance with Donkey Kong. He's dancing with Donkey Kong to keep him distracted, while the other one tries and fails to lasso Pauline, and then she starts calling for help. Yes. So, so Donkey Kong slides the bad guys across the bar and onto a mechanical bull, which breaks free. Yes. And this is also when we discover that this takes place in one of the most magical environments of, of all cartoonery, and that is the infinite bar room. It is a room oh, yeah. with an infinite bar that stretches forever and ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the bull hops out of the saloon and the bad guys scoop up Pauline as they go past. Mario blames Donkey Kong for losing Pauline, even though Mario did absolutely nothing to help the entire time. 
Yeah. The entire time he was just on his ass on a poker table, basically. Right. Well, he's... So. Yeah, he's long-suffering. Uh, they uh, shoot a ransom note into a post next to... Uh, mm-hmm. Tied to an arrow into a post next to Mario and Donkey Kong. Yeah. Donkey Kong looks at the note and starts making animal noises. Mario, <laughs> Mario says, stop pretending you can read and snatches the note away from him. <laughs> uh, I think this might take place in the same world as Frogger because clearly he's a low, he's a lower class of uh, citizen. There's some sort of bigotry towards animals. Yeah. Right. The note is a warning to drop out of the rodeo if they want to see Pauline again. Right. They go searching and immediately find the loft at the barn where she's being held. So what do we do now? I guess we uh, work our way up and down the streets, canvassing the hood. We look for hotels, motels, online diners, women's shelters, any place she might see. Oh, there she is! See, this one I feel like is another one of those cuts that could indicate the passage of time. Because I was kind of like... I, I I sort of felt like they were going to rodeo was like the next day or something. And they just, they were like, okay, well we'll just show up at the rodeo <laughs> and yeah, it's the yeah. next day. And they just yeah. left her for, for an entire night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it definitely didn't seem that to be that way. Cause, cause it looked like the bad guys were also like getting ready for the rodeo themselves. So, and as they're, they're come walking up, they like, it looks like they're getting ready to like do some rope tricks. Yeah, Mario and DK climb to the top of the ladder leading up to the barn window when the bad guys spot them. Donkey Kong splits the ladder by breaking all of the rungs to stop them from climbing up. So now (laughs) Mario and Donkey Kong are each on a long pole. Pauline hands them each a barrel, and Donkey Kong expertly traps one of the thugs in his barrel. Mario loses his balance and falling faster than his own barrel, which lands on top of him. Before yeah. ricocheting into the other bad guy and knocking him into a well. Yeah, in defiance of the laws of physics, Mario makes an ass of himself. And, and right before that, as soon as Mario gets the barrel, he gets excited because he's going to be the one on the uh, giving side of the barrels instead of the receiving side of the barrels this time. Right, mm-hmm. but oh, the irony. So at the rodeo, it's Donkey Kong's turn to ride. The bad guys release a bunch of extra animals while Donkey Kong is riding. Yeah, he's riding a bull. Yeah. So he lassos a fence and throws it in the shape of a pen to catch the horses and cows. Yes. The bad guys try to escape in a pickup and Donkey Kong lassos the truck, pulls it in upside down, and ties up the tires. Yes. Mm. And it's not like it's not like a classic pickup. It looks it looks like it's a Euro, it looks like it's a Volkswagen. Yeah, yeah. It looks like, yeah, it definitely looks like one of those uh, small European flatbed trucks. Yeah, that you've trucks. Seen driving down the alleyway somewhere, yeah. So the MC declares that they've won all the events and hands over the prize money. Which Mario keeps. Yes, Mario yeah. keeps the money and gives Donkey Kong a bunch of bananas, that which he eats bananas. immediately. Yep. <laughs> right. I just like that part of the prize is they have a bag of money, a bag with a dollar sign on it, and also a full, like, banana a banana plant. Yeah, a, a giant, yeah. Hey, yeah, a bunch of bananas. A bunch of bananas yeah. that, the, uh, that the, the rodeo owner hands to Mario. Well, I mean, this isn't a desert climate. This could be, like, a, a resource-poor area. So, like, you know how, like, in some places you'd get, like, a bag of oranges as a gift? <laughs> Maybe they were like, oh, you know, we have this fresh produce. It just happens to be bananas this week. 
so you get the fresh produce. Right. That's what you win is food. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like communism. <laughs> so Mario says, I guess the truce is over, to which Donkey Kong jumps on the on a bull and starts to ride off. Yep. Mario was like, no fair. You didn't give me a chance to betray you first. <laughs> well, he kind of did. He kept the money, so. He tries to lasso Donkey Kong, which just results in Mario being dragged along behind him. Into a cactus. And it ends, the episode ends with Mario pulling cactus spines out of his ass while Pauline walks up and watches. Yes, and there's a silhouette of Donkey Kong riding off on the bull, and it is one of the weirdest animations I think I've seen since we started this program <laughs> it does not look like he is riding a bull and it also does not look like the bull is walking in any way it's suggestive <laughs> by far I feel like this cartoon was the low point of all of the cartoons we watched and that's saying a lot <laughs> yeah that is that definitely is uh, but this one really was, was like it felt terrible it, there's a lot of weird undertones. There's yeah. some vaguely racist kind of undertones. And the way they treated Mario was just sad. Oh, Mario's yeah. a complete asshole in this. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. He's a bastard. A cuck bastard. An incestuous cuck bastard. Yeah. It's, it definitely did ICB. not paint the characters in a very good light. I, I am kind of I am happy that this was the original Mario Brothers though, and that they actually wound up having Pauline instead of Princess Peach. That it really was just like the whole barrel thing. The the thing that really confused me about this was the fact that it seems to be based off of the idea that Donkey Kong was in a circus act. Yes. It was being run by Mario. And the entire thing is Donkey Kong is trying to escape the circus and the circus act, and Mario is just trying to tr flag him down because he needs him in his uh, as Yeah, a he's like his main his actor. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, which I thought was very strange and very different from what the video game tried to get across because to, to me, the video game, it seemed like the entire thing was taking place in more of an industrialized area. So it was supposed <laughs> to be almost like a ripoff of like King Kong climbing the building, holding onto the girl, and attacking anybody that's trying to come up to save the girl. But that's just my take. I think it's a good take. Both of these uh, episodes, and in fact, I think we'll see with all of them, are just blatant retreads of Scooby-Doo. Yeah. 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 I mean... They definitely are. Done by the creators of Scooby-Doo, so I guess that's forgivable, but they are really mining their own to territory here. Yeah. Hard. And they're just 10 minutes long each, so... Okay, make a short cartoon. Done. Right. Yeah. Uh, all all right. right. What What are we going to next? Next is Cubert and Dog Day Dilemma. Oh man, this nice. kind of this is also a low point. Not quite as low as <laughs> the, don I don't, the I, Donkey Kong. I don't know. I, I kind of felt like this was a lower point than Donkey Kong, just because I I have very fond memories of playing Cubert. Uh, used to have yeah. the the uh, Commodore 64 when I was growing up, and Cupert was like one of the few games we had on it that I'd play all the time. Yeah, right. It was a good game. Yeah, yeah. So let me just go ahead and mention the setting is Cuber, 
a 50s-era city filled with tube-nosed Qbert-style beans. Yes. And it is Qberg, B-U-R-G, not B-E-R-G. I don't know if there's (laughs) any significance to that, but... I believe Berg means... Berg means city with a U. Berg with an E means hill, I believe. Okay. I thought it meant uh, meat patty on bun. (laughs) (laughs) Delicious. You're watching these, Mike? Yeah. You still there, Mike? Okay. (laughs) Okay. They're pretty great, right, Mike? They're they're super. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to know who the hell played Qbert, saw the graphics, and thought 50s. 1950s, yeah. The most banal era in history. (laughs) I mean, this is the one that really solidified me how much all of these are boober garbage. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. This is like a tour of all of the boomer obsessions. Yeah. Well, this this is uh, Kubert as Forrest Gump. (laughs) (laughs) And and Forrest Gump is really just a nostalgia... Uh, yeah, yeah. Engine or nostalgia grab for boomers. That's the reason why it was so successful. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a tour through the era. Yeah, I mean, they're gonna do it for us too. Don't worry, they'll they're well, coming they, for they us. They already have. They already have. <laughs> what uh, what was the um, Ready Player One? I mean, that's basically a nostalgia grab for us. Yeah, I mean, a little different in that it's specific to, like, one, kind of one era and the properties, but I, I suppose you're right. Yeah. Well, and they're also doing all the remakes for all the cartoons we used to watch when we were kids, so. Oh, well, I can't wait they, till the uh, Qbert movie comes out. Oh, yeah. Live-action uh, Qbert so, movie. Jesus. <laughs> okay, so... Qbert... <laughs> Wears a varsity letter letter jacket. Yeah, he's a he's a cool guy. Well, he's he's part of the fifties in crowd. Yeah, he's a he's one of the straight edge kids. I can't wait for Chris Pratt to uh, do the voice of uh, live action Qbert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he he would be Qbert. Well, he just he would put on a little weight. Yeah, and yeah. grow out his nose a little. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and then get it drilled. <laughs> Repeatedly. Let me make a note to look for live action Qbert art. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't rule thirty four that please. No no not 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 thirty four, like the like the ultra realistic Mario. Uh okay, yeah, I wanna oh, see yeah, that. Yeah. I want I wanna see Qbert's pores. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. His gang consists of his girlfriend Cutie, yep. his little brother Cubit. And the comic relief cue ball. Who appears to be like a pothead. Yeah. He, he's 50s? like the... Uh, well, he's the... Um, yeah. uh, he's a little... Who's the, guy that likes, who, who's the guy that likes the hamburgers and... Um, Jughead. Jughead, yeah. yeah. He's like the Jughead yeah. of this group, so... Yeah. Coilie is a snake with arms that embodies the 50s era rebel with a leather biker jacket. And yes, the, and, uh, the cool uh, leather daddy hat as well. Yeah, yeah leather he, he, biker outfit. Yes, and he yeah. um he run, runs a rival gang of 
bad guys. His gang consists of Viper, his snake girlfriend, a pig demon named Ugg, <laughs> and Wrongway, a ball of fur with a mouthful of teeth. And there are all yep. different shades of purple. Both gangs pull up to a dog grooming parlor in their wacky racist style cars. Cubert uh, and Coily are competing to get a job washing dogs. Right. Cubal wants to have his dog Q Spot washed, but Cubert tells him Cubert tells him that this place is for paying customers only. Yeah. Right. And the important thing is the dogs look exactly like yes the the Q people the Cuberts. They also have tube noses. Yeah. Um, it seems like everything in this world has uh, tube noses except for. Uh, the bad gang of, of characters. Yeah. Oh, those are your words. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Inside, Q-Boss gives the first unpaid task to the job advocates. Oh, yes. Watch Tiny. Tiny is a bear-sized dog that starts chasing Coily while Cubert is dragged behind holding his onto his leash. Eventually, they both get dunked into the bath, and Q-Boss yells at them that they need to pick up Mrs. Cubant's dog. They still have yet to be hired. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This, this is still part of the interview process. Yeah. I mean, th this job, this is a canny business owner. He sees that there's competition, you know, th that there is a demand in the market for this job. And he's like, well, I can leverage this to get free labor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They arrive at a mansion with a lawn party. It seems to be that there's some sort of cotillion going on. There's some sort of a... Uh... Catered backyard badminton and croquet event. Yes, it sounds pretty good. Yeah, they, they they arrive at the mansion and pull into the parking lot, with uh, Coily boasting about how he beat Cuber to the task. Yep. The, the Q car pulls in seconds later, so Coily backfires his car, covering Cuber with exhaust soot. Ah, uh, yes, and he sucks it off with his nose. Yeah. Well, he basically says you can't go talk to the client looking like that, so you may as well give up now. And Cubert shows him by just sucking himself off. Yeah, he, he pulls on his nose, and it extends, and he just vacuums himself. Yeah. He essentially winds up eating car exhaust. He seems fine with it, though. Yeah. yeah. Again, boomers love cancer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it's a race through the backyard event. Right. Yeah. Coily trips Cubert, who lands in a punch bowl. Cubert then lets loose a string of racial epithets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that this was very weird. They actually took the sound bites from the video game where Cubert screws up. He's supposed to be swearing, but in the video game, all you see are like the weird like symbols instead of swearing. Yeah, pound sign, ASCII, at symbol. Yeah, exactly. But it's just so strange that they actually included like the audio from that. As if he was making that sound even though he speaks, like, perfect English. I do think that they worked to try to integrate some of the tropes of the video games. Like, this is much more closely observed than uh, Captain N in terms of... Uh... <laughs> that That's still a low bar. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yes. This is yeah, very low is. bar, yeah. And they were trying to be true to the property to a certain extent, yeah. So. Yeah, they, they, they were at least somewhat respectful for of the video game's and used what they could, I guess. Even though they, like, completely changed the setting of all of these. Yeah, yeah. 
And they do have a, a, a very strange thing a little bit later on that I'll, I'll point out when we get there. So Q-Ball comes up and is like, hey, I need you to take a minute and give my dog a haircut. <laughs> yeah, he just keeps asking for this. Huber says not now and throws pizza into Coily's path. The pizza is sticky enough to trap him and let Cubert get to the door f- first. Mrs. Cumon is holding her dog and both of them announce, Cubert and Coily both announce that they will be the one who washes it. Mm-hmm. The eager fighting between the two scares off Cuboodle, and Mrs. Cumon threatens to have them both fired if they don't get it back. <laughs> well, they, they weren't hired, so I don't know how this is a threat, but yeah, uh, yeah. I can understand. This triggers, like, basically the entire rest of the episode yeah. is them trying to hunt for this fucking poodle and yeah. w- trying to one-up each other whenever they get close to actually capturing it. Yeah. Much like the mask, it is a just a giant chasing the entire episode. Right. Right. Yes. Cut to a six-lane city street with stop-and-go traffic. Right. Yeah. Kuberg is bumping. Yeah, Cupidal is running under the cars, and Cubert and Coily are hopping on top of the cars from car to car. And the cars change color every time Cubert lands on one. Exactly. Much right. like the the video game. And this is what I was going to point out, was the fact that they actually incorporated this in here as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they do, the, they, they do this a lot, actually. They do it when he's like running around on, yeah, running around on top of the construction site later. Yep, yep. That's how you won the game, though, right? Like you turned all the all the squares to to right. yellow, to to a specific color, yeah, right. And, and sometimes the the squares would change only once, so you just had to hit each square once. Sometimes they change back and forth between two different colors. I think they uh, even, sometimes they change between three different colors. So. so some of them were a little like more puzzly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it, it gets more difficult as as you as you go up in levels. And, and in it, they did have all these bad guys. Uh, wrong way, actually, like, defied gravity and went up the sides of the pyramid. Yeah. Rather than, like, like uh, just up and down the pyramid. Like, he he was really into MC Escher. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Total psychedelic mindscape, and they went with the 50s. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what yeah. is what is more psychedelic than the 50s? Anything. <laughs> Anything, yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, the, the chase go, goes into a department store. Uh, Cue Ball keeps trying to get his dog groomed. They go into an amusement park. Yeah, the scene yeah. I kind of liked where they get on a merry-go-round and try to overtake the person or dog in front of them while riding fixed vehicles. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It was like a, a it was like a plane thing, like a whippoorwill i don't even know if that's right yeah it was like um swings like uh the The swings yeah yeah yeah. it was a good bit of willful stupidity yeah yeah uh yeah it's not really clear if how smart cubert is and none of them are very smart (laughs) yeah well they kind of try to play them off as being like high school kids basically i mean we were smarter than that in high school were we though (sighs) well were we i mean None of us were going to try to compete for a dog washing job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the chase goes to some bumper cards, and then it reaches a roller coaster, and it continues up the track on foot. Yeah, on foot yes. up the roller coaster. And, and this is also one of those spots where we see, like, as the characters are moving 
up the roller coaster, they're actually jumping on different square planks, and they change colors whenever they jump on them. Well, whenever Cubert lands on one. Yeah. yeah, whenever Cubert lands on one, yeah. Was every episode like this? Like, I have to imagine they there were a lot of chase scenes in this show. Well, that's essentially what the video game was. It right. was just getting chased around a snake on a pyramid, so... I believe they tried to incorporate the swearing into every episode. <laughs> Probably the color changing. And also the slippy doos. The slippy doos. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which was invented for the cartoon and not part of the yep. video game. Yes, this is when Kubert desi- decides to blast the bad guys with his slippy doos. <laughs> so he shoves a handful of grapes into his nose and starts shooting them. The animation doesn't show the, the shots actually interacting with every anything, but the non-coily members do get knocked off the track. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're kind of in a hail of grapes, and I have to assume it's overwhelming to them, and they just, um, they faint from vertigo. Well, it's supposed to cause an oil <laughs> slick. Yeah, yeah. Hence, hence them being called Slippy-Doos, yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, this is not a good episode for Slippy-Doos. Yeah. Which, <laughs> never yeah. mind. The whole the, the whole <laughs> fan, the whole fan base is very slippy do heavy. You know, they're really looking for yeah. that that slippy do based episode or the backstory on slippy doos, slippy do lore, son of slippy do. I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure that that's actually what they call the fan base. The fan base is <laughs> slippy do cues, so. slippy do cues, yep. friends of slippy do. <laughs> Friends of Slippy Doo. <laughs> Q Anonymous. <laughs> the, ooh, Slip, I like that. Maybe the Slippy Dudes. Yeah. The Slippy Doers. Slippy Dudes. Slippy Dudes. That's, That's right. really what gross. About the Slippy Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the with Mike. Slippy Dudes. You're with Mike. No, the Slippy Don'ts. There's the Slippy Doos and the Slippy Don'ts. Gotcha. It's simple, it's simple math. my mistake slippy do slippy slippy do (laughs) finally the chase leads back to the mansion and Hubert coyly each grab an end of the dog and start to pull him like he's taffy (laughs) yeah it's very distressing (laughs) killing the dog I was I was hoping they were actually gonna like leave the dog in that stretched out state, and it was gonna be like a snake dog. Yeah, Coily loses his grip and staggers backwards into the pool. Mrs. Cubot then says she'll personally bring Cupidal to the store tomorrow so Cubert can groom him. Right, but wasn't the whole point they were supposed to get the fucking? Yeah, she's she's yeah. rewarding she's rewarding the fuck up that scared her dog away, abused it in front of her, and was only there to take it to the store in the first place. Right. Yeah. Cubal tries to mooch a grooming for his dog one last time, but Q-Spot runs away, starting another chase as we go to the credits. Cubert learns nothing and is a terrible friend. <laughs> yep. Yep. He seems to be not very good to any... While they, like, attempt to help him clean up his messes, he yep. engages in self-destructive vendettas against his enemies. Yeah. Like I said, this one really nailed how uh, how how much boomer they managed to cram into this uh, boomer <laughs> sandwich we're eating. Yeah, 
and also that it's very clear that somebody was like, well, you know, I got to write these shows about video games. I know. I'll write Happy Days, mm-hmm. and I'll also write Scooby-Doo, and then I'll also write Scooby-Doo. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, and a Western. We'll do a Western in there, too, because uh, boomers. <laughs> right. What if one of the Scooby-Doo's was also a Western? What? You're hey, blowing hey, my mind. B- Benny, Benny, you gotta make that Scooby-Doo more of a Western. <sighs> it's everything I've and- ever dreamed, Vern. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I went to script writing school for. Yes. This is why I drank my wife away. Although I guess this was like the uh, uh, early 80s, so it wasn't script writing school. It was like, this is why I was born a white male. <laughs> to just be given a job. <laughs> this is why I uh, have been hanging around smoking cigarettes on on uh, on <laughs> studio lots for the past twenty years, and eventually they <laughs> gave me a job. Richard just assumed I was the writer who worked there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just schmoozed my way into a lucrative career of doing nothing. So, when do you need that script by Tuesday? Okay. <laughs> okay. Sure. How many cigarettes can I smoke before Tuesday? <laughs> well, at some point in time, he had to switch to his pipe. So, right, at that's, night, so. Yeah, night well, smoking that's a- is pipe smoking. So. <laughs> night times the pipe time. <laughs> wow. Okay, There's we're a just lot doing of Adam all Sandler references. Yeah, yeah, we're doing a lot of Adam Sandler this episode. <laughs> Moving on to Donkey Kong Jr. and Mm -hmm. Double or Nothing. Yes. I'm kind of with you now, Adam, just having relived the Qbert episode. It is now tied with um, Donkey Kong for being the worst thing. I think I still... Mostly Qbert was very boring. Yeah, yeah. So it might be worse because... But I will say... also boring, yeah. It will say it's better drawn and animated, and the character no, designs are that. better. I will give you that. And it is interesting in the sense that it's interesting just to see those characters kind of moving yeah. around and doing things. So, And the the visual design of Kuberg and stuff is actually interesting. We open on a dark and stormy road. Well, first, first I, I yeah. do want to go into the intro to Talking Kong Jr., because okay. this is where they reinforce the idea that Donkey Kong was a sideshow in Mario's circus because yes. Donkey Kong Jr. is looking for his dad in, like, the circus cage that is yeah, now th- empty, and he realizes that his dad has actually escaped and left him. Yeah, ab- abandoned him. Um, y- yeah, it it is clear that, like, the two openings tie in to each yeah. other. But what doesn't tie in is the uh, strange, touchy-feely guy in a, uh, what is it called? Business only? Clubs only? Members only. Members jacket. only. In a members only jacket. Yeah. Uh, basically just groping up this ape and then stealing him away from the surface. Groping up this ape. You think that, uh, oh God, what's his name? David? Bones? Is his name Bones? Mm-hmm. Uh, you think yeah. Bones is like a, a sexual, pre- like an ape predator? And what's going on here seems pretty pervy, doesn't it? I think so. I think a he child is. ape predator. Yep. He does kind of. 
he is an ape pedophile. A pedophile ape. An ape yeah, he, he does kind of look like he, he could be. Well, now I can't read this sentence. <laughs> <laughs> the small ape, Donkey Kong Jr., is driving a motorcycle with his human psychic bones in the sidecar. Yes. Yep. I feel Hilarious. like that was like a nice, nice little touch. The fact that uh, Donkey Kong Jr. is actually the one that drives them everywhere. And it's the yeah. human ride sidecar. I, I mean, if Bones is like uh, an apophile, he's a sub. Yep. Yeah. And Junior is explaining that they are heading to a <laughs> will reading where the cousin of Bones will inherit a mansion. Right. They already yeah. know this in advance. Well, yep. Bones certainly knows it since it's his cousin. And Junior has half of a Humphrey Bogart accent. Well, they, I mean, like, they haven't had the will read yet, but they already know what she's going to inherit, apparently. Or they assume. Yeah, but it, it becomes very clear from some of this first interaction and then, like, interactions midway through that Junior is actually the brains of the outfit and Bones is the sidekick. Yes, very much so. I mean, but not much of the brains, really. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it seems like Bones is really just there to be, like, uh, Junior's beard. So that Junior can, like, get things done in, like, the real human world. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. <laughs> Bones is just, like... like, his proxy that he uses, essentially. Right. They, like, hired him as a front. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So they arrive at the house, and the, and the cousin, Lucy Bell, comes out to greet them. She's wearing a pink sundress and blonde curls. Mm. Her hair is basically mm-hmm. her hair is basically the wig that the thug was wearing in Donkey Kong to dis- to disguise himself as a woman. Yep. Junior remarks that all you humans sure do look alike to me. Well, it's because uh, he Bones and his cousin Lucy Bell, uh, Lucy Bell, look exactly the same. I mean, kind of. They have the same nose. Well, they're, they're animated the exact same way. Yeah, by the same guy. That's how you With really get pen. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's really how you get that family resemblance. Is you just got to hire the right, the same animator. Exactly. Lucy Bell mentions that someone is trying to stop her from attending the reading of the will. And a man in a trench coat jumps out of a bush, throws her in a sack, throws the sack over his shoulder, and starts to run away. Yeah, she's kidnapped in like two seconds. Yep. Someone's trying to kidnap me. Snatch. Yeah. <laughs> it's lucky she even got that much out. Yeah. Considering how quick these guys move. Yeah. Bones gives chase and Junior spouts his catchphrase, Monkey Muscle, which is exactly Scrappy Doo's catchphrase, Puppy Power. Monkey! Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Just uh, Puppy Power doesn't have as much of the. Um, Dick references. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. I don't know. Puppy power? I can see a bit of a dick reference there. You think? I don't know. It's not nearly as close as monkey muscle. That's, yeah. Not nearly as close. Because, I mean, I can I can probably, I, I can hear your dad's voice in my head going, hey boy, you want to come over here and touch my monkey muscle? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that you sound exactly like the colonel. Yeah. 
a second man in a trench coat leaps out, leaps out of a trash can and stuffs those two in a sack as well. Both bad guys are also wearing sunglasses, worn fedoras, and a fake nose with mustache. Yes, they're dressed like uh, Cold War era spies. With Groucho glasses. That's what they wore, what spies wore during that period. (laughs) After freeing themselves from the sack, they realize that they don't have enough time to find Lucy Bell before the reading of the will. So Junior decides to dress Bones in his cousin's clothes and spare wig. Right. Again, again, we've got the like same trope as uh, the Mario, which is just like, oh, the um, uh, the female member of our group has been kidnapped. Oh, well, we'll ignore that. Yep, yep. We have more important business to get to. We actually have to make sure that the will is read properly. Yeah. So that she can get her inheritance. And right. Maybe it's we important. Can get a little something, something on the back end. Her her well being is less important than her um, wealth. Her point, yeah, like her ability to inherit and uh, and contribute wealth to the family. So downstairs, Bones and Junior arrive to meet Rosie the maid, Hugo the caretaker, and Jethro the handyman who is also Lucy Bell's boyfriend. Yep. This brings up some troubling questions about age. Yes, it does. Uh, the best case scenario here is that Jethro's employment is violating child labor laws. I find that harder to believe than the idea yeah. that he just wants to have sex with a 12-year-old. And see, I, I thought that Lucy Bell was actually older because obviously Bones is independent himself. And if they look exactly well, he's like him, they were about the same age. <laughs> well, he's got a monkey Wait. watching him. So so you think you think Bones is like a 12-year-old riding around in a motor? Well, that would make sense as to why he's riding in the motorcycle versus yeah. driving it. But it's, he seemed to act like it was his motorcycle. But he was just like, I just bought it to ride in the sidecar. But that would be kind of interesting, though, if it wasn't his motorcycle and he just stole it mm-hmm. when he stole this great ape. <laughs> Not to be yeah. confused with grape ape. I, I think he's a 12-year-old runaway. So he's a 12-year-old runaway that stole a motorcycle and a ape. Interesting. So really, it really is that uh, Donkey Kong Jr. is Bones' guardian. Maybe. Do you think he legally owns Bones? I think so. I think he's got a microchipped and everything. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He has one one of those shock collars if he gets too far away from uh, Donkey Jr. He gets zapped. So, uh... Mr. Bancroft, the executive executor of the will, of the estate, comes out to read the will of Colonel Buford Jefferson. There's a picture of him on the wall. And with the cast having six uh, thick southern accents in the setting of what is clearly a plantation house, I was surprised to see that the colonel was wearing a blue uniform. <laughs> I, that seems like an executive note. Yeah. Right. I think so. He leaves everything to Lucy Bell, and the handyman is so happy he starts getting handsy with Lucy Bell. Yeah, he's already pretty handsy. But no one seems to react to this. Do you think that, like, instead of really being sweethearts, there's just, like, there's an ongoing sexual harassment of Lucy Bell? Well, it's the Deep South. 
<laughs> right. I think we have to assume <laughs> that it, that's constantly happening to all little girls. There is a condition in the will. Right. To prevent any yep. imposters from inheriting the mansion, Lucy Bell must solve a puzzle by midnight. And I thought that that was hilarious. The fact that it was like, specifically, the yeah. colonel was obsessed with the idea that an imposter might inherit the estate. We're not doppelgangers. Save it for Queen Doppelpopolis. I, when I put together my will, I think I'm going to do that to make sure there's no <laughs> imposters trying to get my stuff. So the executor brings out a briefcase containing four cubes in a straight line. The cubes right. have a different emoji on each of their faces. Yeah, pictogram. Yeah, everyone but Junior leaves to let Lucy work on the puzzle. Then the lights go out and Trenchcoat Guy stuffs Lucy Bones in a sack. Lucy Bones. This is all part of Junior's plan to follow him to the Lucy storage area. Junior is pretty callous. Once Junior sees him heading towards an isolated shed, Junior rolls a series of logs to trip up Trenchcoat Man. That he trudeau chops off of a tree as he's yeah. climbing the tree like a logger. Yeah. I feel like this, is this from the video game? No, I don't uh, think so. Well, well, I, the, the vertical climbing, the climbing up and down like vines and trees, that is from okay, the video game. Yeah. yeah, I don't think you throw anything. No, I don't think I don't, so. I don't, I don't remember that. Uh, but Trenchcoat Man is down, and Junior hefts a log menacingly and states, Now I'm going to get you, before advancing on the prone man. But the freed <laughs> Lo Lucy Bones trips on one of the logs and falls, bringing the sack down over Junior. The man has escaped by the time Junior gets free. They hear something coming from the shed and turn their attention back to rescuing Lucy Bell. Junior bl blows d down the door Big Bad Wolf style. This was bizarre. Yeah, I was not expecting that power. <laughs> that seems yeah, like a very yeah. random power for it, a miniaturized ape to have. Yeah, yeah. Definitely very strange. They find Lucy Bell tied to a chair, free her, and explain about the puzzle that needs to be solved before midnight. Back at the mansion, Lucy Bell starts work on the puzzle, while Junior insists that Bones remain in disguise to keep attention away from the real Lucy Bell. Mm-hmm. Oh, just like, like um, just like at your birthday, David. <laughs> Do you remember when we uh, we all dressed as uh, different Davids from different eras and kept going in and out of the rooms to to freak out your parents? <laughs> we just we just needed to make sure that uh, they couldn't spot the right David, so they wouldn't punish him for breaking curfew. So. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> when you or you you broke that vase, and then we all then we all stand up and said, "I'm David." No, I'm yes. David. I am Sparta David. I'm David. <laughs> yes. I am Spartavus. <laughs> the bad guys uh, take the bait and. Uh, both trench coat men begin chasing Lucy Bones. Junior uses apples to again trip the bad guys, this time landing them in a tub of apples, which he then covers with a pie crust. Yes. A yep. ag again, before he can execute his fait accompli, Lucy Bones <laughs> slips on the apples and frees the bad guys. Yeah. Yep. And getting uh, Donkey Kong Jr. trapped in the pie crust. Which is like glue, apparently, like some yeah. sort of like. Oh, it's like, unbaked. So yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. as we saw from the the pizza from um, Cubert, 
any pie has a lot of adhesive properties in this world. Yeah. During the chase, Bones loses his wig and the bad guys realize he's not the one they want. Yeah. I actually think he looks a lot hotter without the wig. Yeah. Kind of yeah. he like kind of looks like Jackie Onassis or something. Rachel Maddow. <laughs> Rachel oh, Maddow. You did <laughs> Rachel Maddow. <laughs> uh yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Hot the way Rachel Maddow is. Uh, at this point, Lucy Bell goes off script to help her cousin, who is in no danger. She rolls a vase at the bad guys, which misses completely. They pull the end of the rug she's standing on, and which sends her sprawling. One of the puzzle pieces is sent towards the bad guys, who sees it as a way to stop the inheritance. Right. Junior then swings in on a chandelier, depositing night helmets on the trench coat men and retrieving the puzzle piece. Night, night helmets from full suits of plate mail armor. Not like night helmets, helmets you wear at night. Yes. Just like every uh just like every southern mansion, there are they random have... suits of armor. Well it's a mansion. Yeah, I mean every mansion has got a ghost, at least yeah. one ghost, at least one suit of armor. Multiple doors that lead to the same place. Right. Same hallway. Well, at least one hidden staircase. Yep. Yeah. Picture of, giant... <laughs> yes. Picture of a, an old southern colonel. Yes. Picture of an old southern colonel in a, a, a giant um, dining room where you can uh, play uh, Ten Little Indians. So. Yeah, or uh, or, spooky, or spooky music plays, and yeah. um, a crazy oh, old yeah. woman, a crazy old woman who lives in the attic in her wedding dress. Oh yeah, harpsichord. Got to have a harpsichord. Oh yeah, you got to oh, yeah. have a harpsichord. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But you never exactly. see it; you just hear it. So they pull off the disguises and see the men are the caretaker and the executive of the, of the will who inherits the mansion if Lucy Bell defaults. The thing, this was confusing to me as to why at this point we care at all about the puzzle, right? If they would only yeah. revealed that the executor is the bad guy, who the ca- fucking, who cares if they do the puzzle? Exactly. That's exactly. True. Who's going to validate, who's going to validate that it's the right answer? Yep. But they do have yeah. a tense scene where she yes. figures out the answer to the puzzle. Yes, with one minute to mi- with one minute to midnight, Lucy Bell solves the puzzle, and then idiots laugh at nothing. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, this one wasn't the worst. I did hate Donkey Kong Jr. Um, a lot. But this one was not the this one was not the worst of the lot. I think this and Frogger were the two best ones. I I would say that this one was the best one, mm. and and again, yes, I I did not like Junior quite so much. No, but he's at the terrible. very least, it, it was still like somewhat cohesive. And I think I think part of it is this one is actually the one that fuels the most Ruby Spears out of the bunch. Yeah, a bit. I mean, it definitely is mining all of the like. They love their haunted mansions. They love their their apes. They uh, love their road trips. Uh, and they love abducting women and then ignoring them. <laughs> I sort of enjoyed Frogger a little more. I think it's also that I, I watched this one last because I watched them in order. And uh, by that point, I was, I was real tired of this shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Overall, this was a slog. Yeah, it definitely was. Uh, yeah, this was not. This was not fun, happy time for anybody. I don't think. 
I don't know. Mike, did you enjoy watching these when you watched them definitely no. before today? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> the part of my brain that is stuck in the 90s, but the good part of the 90s, liked it because I'm like, ooh, video games. But the adult in me says that it's high in calories. I don't know. I, I don't remember anymore, so... <laughs> the the uh, the background sound of ice shaking really drives that joke. Yeah. Ring it, ring a ding ding. <laughs> I give up, ladies and gentlemen. Let's wrap this up. I, I like the part where Frogger got flattened because that was the most realistic part of any of this. The, yeah, that really uh, lines up with your experience point. of. Of frogs, you fucking psychopath. It really aligns with my experience in playing the game, because I never won. Yeah, Frogger was fucking hard. I did not yeah. enjoy that game. It's a difficult game. Now it's time for the new batch, where we ask if any of the dads out there would force their children to watch this Clockwork Orange style. No, they're garbage. Oh, <laughs> this was painful. My Why kids don't even time, know really? Super Mario, because I don't have a Wii. And I haven't, you know, exposed them to ROMs yet, so. Your kids have never had a Wii? That's, that's Well, we bad. had a Wii for yeah. a little while, mm-hmm. but then the person they who need... gave it to us took it back. Oh. <laughs> Wii givers. Do you mean you stole no, it and no, got caught? They, the, the mom gave it to us, and then the college-age kids, uh, one of the college-age kids came over to babysit our uh, my kids. And said, oh, hey, do you still have that Wii we gave you? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, hey, we, we want to play it again. And I'm like, so you want it back? <laughs> I kind of did a factory reset on it. Is that okay? And I saw the look of utter despair on their face as they realized, like, 20 years. Like, <laughs> You'd wiped yeah, all the games. 10 years of their games and Wii, character, Wii people got wiped off. But they still took it back. And they're like, yeah, we still want it back. So... My kids, my kids got to play wow, Wii your, bowling your... for like three days or like a week or so, and you know it was fine. What a, what a bunch of little fuckers! You know, yeah. that's a shitty move. It, it's fine because <laughs> my kids shortly got into Roblox thereafter, so um, no harm, no foul, I guess. But it, it was a weird move to pull. Uh, but yeah, my kids don't understand. Nintendo and they don't understand Mario and Zelda and they don't the the hairs on their the back of their neck don't raise up when they hear like Zelda music like we do or like I do fuck you guys I don't know um mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah so it, they wouldn't get it it's purely it it it, it, it is something that is perfect for the time that was that it was in and <laughs> it's perfect in our memory and when we go back to look at it it disgusts us uh, uh, i <laughs> because <laughs> i really enjoy drunken nostalgic republican mike it's a, it's a really Listen. interesting trip. It's, it's a bit of a here. ride. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen. 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 Listen, you fucking, fucking kids. Gather around, children, because Elder Millennial Mike is going to tell you how things used to be. Do you remember <laughs> Marty McFly? 
Jeez. It makes you sound like you're Mormon. Oh. Your name's Millennial Mike. Is it, is it really? Yeah. Oh, Elder Millennial Mike. Yes, that sounds highly suspicious. Uh, sus, uh, Mormon. <laughs> oh, you're so hip, Mike. I'm not allowed to be. I can't be on Twitter. I meant that oh, you're very hippie. Are you I, saying I'm gaining weight? That, are you yeah. saying? Are you saying that all no, of my weight has gone to my hips? You're you're curvy, man. It's it's attractive. Yeah, yeah. It drives the ladies wild. They look at you and they're like, "Ooh, he's got those birth and hips." Mm. <laughs> yeah, I feel like. He's got those earn those earn. I feel like hits. I need to pop on voice mod and start singing something. <laughs> okay, okay, so this is final appeal where we separate the amazingly amazing from the terribly terrible to decide <laughs> whether or not we are going to keep the show for possible future episodes or burn it. This was terribly terrible. terrible. Yeah, this was, was terrible. garbage. Yeah. yeah, I do not want this around. I don't want to think about it. Um, mm. I want to punish the people that made it, even though <laughs> I love them. It's um, it's real bad. It feels it um, is. it feels it it really feels like they phoned this in hard. Oh yeah, yeah. It got paid a lot to do it. Maybe I hope so. I mean, I don't wish them wish them ill, but that's good work if you could get it. It definitely feels it feels very budget in that like they recycled everything. All right, shall we move on to what's coming up next? Let's get into it. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, the God. best part of the episode. So it's time for reverse retcon, where we decide the new victims of Amazingly Terrible by assigning <laughs> a random episode from a random cartoon to a random host. All right. Tell me what is index 285. Uh-oh. Ooh. Let me pull it up. We have a 285? We have a 285. And it is... My Little Pony and Friends. Yes! Yeah! Yes! Uh, 1986 uh, to 1987. I've been waiting and waiting for this. You've been waiting for the brony bit. Mm-hmm. Gonna freak out Mike. The old style animation. Yep. <laughs> He's old not style, here. Old style oh, he's horses. Here? Mike left. Mike. Well, he said he said he wanders away. Yeah. Is that uh, is that who's going to be doing it? I've not rolled for that. And it looks like it's going to be Matt. Yes. Woohoo. Oh, Matt. I can't wait to tell pony stories. Excellent. Ooh, is, would this be an appropriate time for me to do my dead horse story? <laughs> this does seem like the episode okay. where we do yeah. the dead horse story. Yeah, just hold on okay. for three more episodes. Just yeah. gonna hold on for three more episodes. Okay, so yes, yeah. on a future episode of Amazingly Terrible, Matt will be summarizing My Little Pony and Friends episode thirteen. Thirteen episode again, episode thirteen. Lucky thirteen. But next week on Amazingly Terrible, we will be reviewing Rainbow Bright, episode one, Peril in the Pits. Nice. Do you think that's... I think, um, I think that's me. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, it's all you. It's all me. Rainbow Bright. Rainbow Bright. It's pure Adam. <laughs> Undiluted. 
Oh, that's going to be our, our New Year's gym resolution episode. It's going to be Rainbow Bright. I want to resolve to go on a cruise and, and go water skiing. With Riot? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> or or a Riot-like man. Gotcha. Just a, a very buff blonde. Guys, what I miss? Okay, so our next cartoon. My Little Pony and Friends. Uh, That's what you missed, Mike. <laughs> That's the reaction we were looking for. Enter the Bronyverse. Mm. Welcome to Brony Time. <laughs> Jesus. I don't know. Based off of Mike's reaction, I feel like maybe he should be the one to summarize that. Yeah, I think. I think so. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> what a surprise! You can't make me. I'm not going to do it. Well, we could. (laughs) We probably could. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I I went on camera just to do that reaction. So. (laughs) (laughs) Great podcasting. For shitty cartoons, I have been Jack Ruby. For Amazingly Terrible, I'm Britney Spears. (laughs) For what has been and will always be amazingly terrible i am mike and for unnamed podcast i've been david <laughs> nice david you know i take a little bit of i should take umbrage with the fact that uh, i think on the most recent uh, episode we released the ducktales one i didn't actually sign off amazingly terrible is produced by david and adam Music by Josh Woodward. Celebrity voices are computer impersonated by 15.ai. Send your email to monotonouslyterrific at amazinglyterrible.com. Mike, what do you think? What do you think of Qbert? I think he goes up to the right or up to the left. Or down to the right, <laughs> or down to the left, and then, I think and then he goes, sometimes he jumps onto the little spinny disc, and he goes from the bottom all the way up to the top, and the little snaky guy falls off. I think, like any go- good boomer, he goes back and to the left, <laughs> back and to the left. Ninety oh. percent of our viewer won't understand this. <laughs> Ninety percent of our viewer. <laughs> yeah, they lost weight. So, so like all but right hand. Well, Good job, listener. We're we're proud of you. I'm sure you'll understand, yeah. but we're not. Can we bleep out and just keep on saying beep, beep? I don't understand yeah. beep or beep doesn't understand <laughs> beep beep beep. <laughs> Jesus, you're really ragging on our on our hey, listener. I, I love yeah. our listener, platonically. Platonically. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> sure. Why don't you platonically marry them? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you platonically continue the episode? Why don't you platonically be the planet Pluto? <laughs> uh, shit, I lost the game. <laughs> Why don't you platonic these nuts? Oh, That's I missed true. the...
Uh, this is this is why we keep Adam around. That'd be he, he, one. Does, yeah. he does uh, the zingers. Right. Yeah, the height of humor. Adam. That was a banger. Zing. These nuts are a banger. <laughs> Zing. Jeez. We've 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 hit it, David. Um, you're gonna cut all this out because yeah. this is some of it. <laughs> yeah, this is this isn't comedy gold. This is comedy mold. <laughs> this this Zing. isn't comedy gold. This is comedy mold. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that you repeated my joke. 